I've talked to a lot of people about this gospel lesson in particular. And two points really stick out to people when they read this. The first point is to the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. And the second point that people always bring up is this. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Now people have a big problem with the first point. Can Jesus be serious when he says, turn the other cheek? Who's going to respect a person who doesn't defend himself? I remember really dealing with this directive from Jesus when I was in the fifth grade. When I was in the fifth grade, I was bullied by a number of people. I was bullied by a number of other boys in my school. It seemed like every single day when it got time for recess, somebody was going to try and fight me. I remember talking with my grandpa Herman about my situation as well as my dad. And I remember both of them bringing up this verse. But when both but then they both said that Jesus wanted me to defend myself. <laughs> So they both, my mom and my dad, gave me the advice, I mean my grandpa and my dad, both gave me the advice to fight back. And I did. Every time I was disrespected that year, I ended up in a fight. Sometimes the fights would start because kids were pushing me down. And other times they would start because people were just calling me names. But I I did spend a lot of time in the principal's office that year, And as a result of that year, I still have a scar on on my knuckle from when I hit somebody back in the face. (laughs) That's nothing to laugh about. (laughs) One other interesting thing that is, one other interesting thing is that in all of those cases, uh, all of those fights, I ended up becoming good friends with all of those boys who picked on me. I even would be invited by them to their uh, birthday parties, their sleepovers, and we became good friends throughout junior high and high school. But here's the thing. I did not listen to Jesus, and I did not offer the other cheek. Now I hear the second point of contention Uh, in our gospel lesson today, a lot, I hear it a lot, when Christians tell others that something that they are doing is sinful. People will say all the time, doesn't the Bible say that you're not supposed to judge me? In other words, they're saying, you hypocrite, mind your own business. The interesting thing about this text today is that most of the time, we are making excuses for why we don't have to listen to the first part or why we are using the second part to defend ourselves from accusations from other sinners like us. But I would argue that both of those responses do not recognize where Jesus is coming from. 
If I use the first part to say or explain why Jesus didn't mean turn the other cheek, and if I use the second part saying, don't judge me, neither one of those responses recognize what Jesus is actually teaching. You see, first and foremost, the first part of our text, the loving our enemies section, it points us to the actions of Jesus himself. These actions and purpose were actually foreshadowed by Joseph in our Old Testament lesson. Excuse me. Instead of Joseph exacting revenge on his brothers, which he could have done in his current position, his brothers had sold him into slavery, and Joseph, instead of giving them revenge, he freely gave good gifts to his brothers. He gave them food and drink, house and home. He gave them and their families life. Joseph was actually used by God to keep his brother Judah alive. And it was through Judah that God would keep his promise to save the entire world from their sin. You see, one of Judah's descendants would be Jesus the Savior of the entire world. And Jesus er, and Joseph could have killed Judah. Jesus would love his enemies, and instead of exacting revenge on all of us, he came to save us. Romans 5 reads, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. That's what we deserve, the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You see, Jesus loves his enemies. Who are his enemies? They are you. They are me. His enemies are the entire human race. Jesus did good to those who hated him. He died for them. As people were cursing him, as he hung naked on the tree, he prayed for those who were abusing him. And we all, through the hands of those soldiers, struck the cheeks of the Son of the living God. And we, through their mouths, spit in his face. And yet, even though we only wanted the stuff that he could give us, and not the salvation that we needed, we gathered around him as he fed the five thousand. And he gave without demanding any payment back. In fact, he expected nothing in return for all the good that he did. He is nothing like you and I. Jesus loves his enemies. He loves you and I. He was was kind. He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. He is merciful, even as the Father who sent him is merciful. 
Jesus was not on this earth to get his fair share of the slice of pie. His stuff, it meant nothing to him. He was there out of love for his enemies to save them and reconcile himself to them. He didn't want to fight. He doesn't want to fight you or get revenge on you. He wanted peace with you. Peace that would come by his death on the cross. He could have fought back. He could have. And he would have been justified in his fighting back. But he understood that he came from the Father and was returning to him. This visit on earth, it was only to love and forgive and rescue anyone who would be loved. Anyone who would receive forgiveness. Anyone who would not fight his rescue operation. And you here this morning have been a recipient of his love for his enemies. You have been washed by the very one that you sinned against. So now why are you here? You are here to love your enemies so that they will see your good works and that so that they will receive the love that Jesus has for them. Jesus takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked and filled with his pleasure, we take no pleasure in the death of our enemies either. On the last day, those who hated us if they end up in hell, we, we will not say, yes, they got what they deserved. We will say, why wouldn't they have received that love? We long for them to be converted. We long for them to be our brothers and sisters. Now, we don't want to be pushovers. But we do want to give the loving response to the evil that's done to us. We don't want to return hate for hate. We long that they would be washed in the blood of the Lamb, that they would receive the same grace that we receive. In some cases, this means refusing to be hit back. In some cases, this means refusing to hit back, I mean. In some cases, that means following through on a punishment. In some cases, that means leaving the one who is abusive. But we always make it clear that we forgive them as we have been forgiven. And that we do not want them as our enemy, but rather we want them as our brother, as our sister. We pray the prayer that Jesus prayed for us. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And when it comes to being judged by other people, we have no real need to defend ourselves at all. Jesus paid the debt we owe. 
We will submit and confess when our sin is pointed out. I don't need to fight back and say, don't judge me. I would rather say, thank you. Thank you for pointing out this sin. I confess it to you and to God. And when it comes to us judging other people, we want to keep from being hypocritical. In other words, we don't want to point out other people's sins as a reason why they're not good Christians. While we ourselves seek to keep our sins hidden from others. We don't want to say, well, we shouldn't associate with them across the street because of this or that. We want to say, Father, forgive me for the ways that I have not loved them across the street. No matter what they do to me, help me to love them. We want to be honest with others when they are doing things that the word of God speaks out against. We don't want to leave people in their sin. But we speak that to them in a way that leads them to understand that there is forgiveness. Even for whatever it is they're doing. What I'm saying, <coughs> excuse me, what I'm saying is that the end goal for everything is that others would receive salvation <coughs> that Jesus has already paid for. We are not in competition with other people for a piece of the pie in this world. We want to be brothers and sisters with them in Christ. We want them to be forgiven just as we have been forgiven. So we don't fight with them. We don't demand that other people respect us. We assess the situation and we seek what love would do in that particular situation. We confess our hate and we trust in God's justice. The justice that was fulfilled when Jesus said, it is finished. We have nothing left to gain. For in Christ Jesus, we have the forgiveness of sins. We have the resurrection of the body. And we have the life everlasting. We have no need of winning a battle against someone that Jesus came to save. We would rather that they be washed and fed by the blood of the Lamb and become our brother or sister in Christ. We love them, no matter what they feel towards us. And we love them not to gain God's approval, but we love them because God first loved his enemies. In other words, we're not saying, Lord, see how much I'm loving this person that's so terrible and awful that you should really spite someday or smite someday. No, we say, Jesus, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They're acting this way because they don't understand the gospel. They don't understand that you have come to save them. Please convert them. He loves and continues to love us. And that changes something in us 
that allows us to look outside to the world around us and love them, even if they don't love us. We don't need the world's approval. We had someone say, I baptize you into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We've had someone say, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, you are children of God. We don't need the world's approval. We have approval from the one who created the whole world. So I guess the question that you may be wondering, what would I tell my son or daughter if they were being bullied? It's hard to say. I may say that they should fight and defend themselves. Why? I love my children. I don't want them to get hurt. But even if I did give the advice, I would have my kids and I pray for the people that were hurting them. I would have us all pray that those enemies would come to know Jesus. That they would come to know his love for them. And I would pray that those enemies would become my children's brothers and sisters in Christ. At the most. Or friends like I had in fifth grade at the least. If I encourage my kids to defend themselves, it would only be to stop their harm. I would not encourage revenge. I would not encourage, they gave you this, you give them double. I would not do that. In everything, I would encourage love, even for their enemies, because that is what Jesus is encouraging in this gospel. He wants us to be a light that reflects the light of love that he gives to us. We don't need to gain anything from the punishment of our enemies. Because we have already gained everything because of the punishment of Jesus. His punishment was our punishment on the cross. You see, when we love our enemies, we are not earning anything from God. It rather shows that we have already received all that God has to give. We have received his love for us that is known in his Son. And now may the peace that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus until he returns for you. Amen.